Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. God in heaven and on earth. 
we declare, Lord, that with you nothing shall be impossible. Oh, we bless and exalt and magnify your name here today. We say, Lord, have your way in our midst today. Do that which you alone can do. Surprise each and every one of us. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Praise the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Everybody say diligence. diligence. Again, say diligence. diligence. One more time, say diligence. diligence. We've got to be diligent in this season that we are in. We've got to be diligent. We've got to be diligent. We've got to be diligent. Most of the people who are sitting in that area at the back, you've got to be diligent. You can't... Verses 26 through to 56. Luke chapter 1. 26 through to 56. I'm going to be speaking on for with God nothing shall be impossible. Luke chapter 1, 26 through to 56. I will read quickly. It says, and in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and the angel came in unto her and said hail thou that art highly favored the Lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and when she saw him she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be seen? I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth. She had also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a 
performance of those things which we had told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with, with her about three months and returned to her own house. Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. The Bible says in the scripture we have just read, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And I'd like to say that all those who are believing and trusting God for children, the word of God says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb, Amen. and you will bring forth a son. Amen. For with God nothing shall be impossible. We are in the eighth month of the year and we said at the very beginning of this month that that number eight stands for new beginnings and today we want to look at this subject for with God nothing shall be impossible because we really are in the month of new beginnings and this story we just read is what I call a because I'm going to be using that term this morning 1 Corinthians 2 9 new beginning Everybody say 1 Corinthians 2.9. 1 Corinthians 2.9 yes. simply says, I have not seen, neither has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And if you say you love God, you've got to be diligent. Everybody say diligent. diligent. Yes, you've got to be diligent. So a, a 1 Corinthians 2.9 new beginning is what this whole story is about because this is the first time as it were that this kind of thing was to burst forth on the face of the earth that god the maker of the heavens and the earth god that the heavens cannot contain somehow decided and managed to come down to earth as a human being that it was just a major and that's why even till today, some people still find it difficult to comprehend. Some people still find it, they, they, they would accept Jesus as anything else but God. And if you call him a great prophet, they don't mind. If you call him any other name, they don't mind. But he cannot be God. How can? So we live, all of us who are here, we live in the time and the era of a 1 Corinthians 2, 9 new beginning. God is about to do a 1 Corinthians 2 9 work in your life. Amen. Because the Bible says, For with God, absolutely nothing shall be impossible. And I want us to stick those things up where we can see them, the, the stickers, where we can see the stickers, and just know in our heart, in our soul, that indeed it's impossible for 
something to be difficult for God to do. As I speak, so you say to yourself, well, if that is so, why hasn't God done my own? We'll get there. We'll get there. And you soon find out that God, not only did he do it before you were born, everything is in your hands. But we'll get there. Today, let's just look at this issue of, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. One of the things that you have to understand about this statement is that this was not a statement made to or about Mary. Notice that the angel, Gabriel, was actually talking about who? Elizabeth. He wasn't talking about Mary. It's a statement made to encourage Mary. It was a statement made to help Mary build her faith so that at the end of the day, Mary will say, be it unto me according to thy words. Because Elizabeth was the one that in the whole family, everybody said, was barren, that she would not have a child. And remember, when Elizabeth became pregnant, she, the Bible says she hid her herself. So the, the angel was giving Mary information that even Mary didn't have. He says, look, Elizabeth, that you people say is barren. She's six months pregnant. And then added and said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. It was a statement made concerning Elizabeth's situation. But it was there to help Mary because everybody, Mary inclusive, had written off Elizabeth. She couldn't have a child. And if you remember the story of Gabriel when he appeared to Zacharias, it was clear from the statement of Gabriel that Mary, I mean Elizabeth and Zacharias had continually prayed and prayed. Everybody knew that they had prayed and believed God for a child. And even in his old age, he was still praying and believing God for a child. So the whole family knew. You know how family will know who will not have a child and who will have a child. And then when the baby then came, or the pregnancy came, she went into hiding. But the angel here, who took the news to Zachariah and Elizabeth, reveals to Mary, says, look, Mary, Elizabeth, she's been hiding, but she's been pregnant for the last six months. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So I'd like to say to you who are here today, and I want us to, to just pay attention and just believe God. There's no situation that is inside this place. That's an impossible situation. This is, that, that word impossible cannot exist where there is God. It can exist where you have a human being. But it, it, it's just something that doesn't exist where God is. And as we all walk in this, listen to me, as you walk in this month of new beginnings, I want us to just be diligent with God. I've said, you know, on Wednesdays, I mean, we're here on Wednesday. So where are the rest of you? <laughs> On Wednesdays, we are looking at lift up your heads, oh, you get. See, both of them are linked together. Both are linked. But on Wednesdays, we'll keep treating the subject, lift up your heads, oh, ye gates. On Sundays, we'll be treating the theme for with God. What was that? We'll be treating the theme for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And I'd like to say that every situation just switch that thing off to switch off this thing that's creating a nuisance value here we'll be treating for god nothing that shall be impossible now if you look at the whole of the bible from the beginning to the end of the bible all you find the whole story of the bible from genesis to revelation is god 
doing the impossible through, as it were, the least likely of people. That's all you find in the whole Bible, from Genesis right through. You see God throughout, always doing the impossible. Through very ordinary, ordinary people, through the least likely of people, people that if you and I were to choose, we would not even touch them. And I just want us to understand, therefore, that there's nothing that stands before you, that stands before me, that God cannot deal with. Everybody say, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Again, now spend some time and personalize it. Go ahead and spend some time and say, with God, this situation in my life shall not be impossible. For with God, this situation, this, speak about that situation. Go on, speak, speak. That's why you are, you are made in his image and in his likeness. <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Silent prayers. They have a way of giving silent answers. I'm not saying we should shout, but some people just find, find it. It's a very amazing thing. Find it very difficult to... Let me explain something as you continue, because you've got to be attentive and you've got to be alert. You see, every time that the word of God goes forth, God expects from you a reaction. Because God is, is here. So you say, go ahead, personalize it, and some people just keep quiet, start talking, then you... you Turn down your volume, and um, at that particular point, you are making choices. You are deciding whether or not God will do something for you. It's all in your hands. It's amazing. Everybody say amazing. amazing. It's amazing how much control you and I have. Honestly. Amazing. You are going, um, that is something we are going to all understand in the next few weeks. That most of the time, the work has been done. It's all left to you. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now what I want us to do very briefly this morning, I'm going to show you a few things. What was it about Mary? Notice, Mary was not the only lady, girl, espoused to be married in Israel? Definitely not. But why was it that God chose Mary? You see, because if you can understand why that miracle happened, you see, we're saying that this is a 1 Corinthians 2, 9, what? New beginning miracle. Now, if you want to walk in that, then you've got to do the only thing that you can do. Find out where God has done something like this and then try and see what what are the conditions? Are there any conditions? So let's just look through very quickly. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. The Bible says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to be married, whose name was to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said unto her, Hail thou that art highly 
favored. The Lord is with thee, blessed are thou among who? Women. The first thing about Mary in this whole story is God's favor. Hail thou that are highly favored. The first thing about Mary is what? God's favor. I decided to check through and, and try and get a definition for favor. And the one I saw that I liked is a special privilege or right granted or conceded. conceded. That is God just decided on his own to confer, as it were, a special privilege on, on Mary. So that God's favor is also God's grace. And you know that the religious definition for grace is unmerited favor. So it really and truly, the interesting thing about this story is that it all has to do with God and has nothing to do with, with Mary. Hail thou that art highly favored. God's favor is the first thing that we all want to understand and notice. And the interesting thing about it is that everybody who is here qualifies for God's favor. Every single one of us here qualify for his favor. Those of us who are good Christians, those of us who are bad Christians, we all qualify for his favor. So when we say that with God nothing shall be impossible, we say that we live in the time of 1 Corinthians 2, 9, new beginnings. Then you qualify. Everybody that's here qualifies. Because it has everything to do with God and has very little to do with you. Everything to do with God. Very, very little to do with you. Let me show you examples of God's will. And I want to show you that even each person that is here, even each one of us here, you have received favor from God in the past. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 48. Genesis chapter 48. Genesis 48, I'll read verses 17 through to the end. And when Joseph saw that his father, this is the story of Joseph bringing to Jacob his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh being the older, Ephraim being the younger. And Joseph wanted Jacob to bless them because Jacob was about to die, as it were. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him because Ephraim was a younger child. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head onto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people. He also shall be great. But truly, this younger brother shall be greater than he. And his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die. But God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. So we find here two brothers. Jewish tradition says the elder brother 
gets the right hand blessing. Here, Jacob decides to turn things around and says, no, he goes to the younger brother. Why? Favor. God's favor. Switch to Deuteronomy chapter 33 very quickly and see the result of God's favor, the result of this blessing. Verse 17 says, His glory is like the firstling of his bullocks, and his horns are like the horns of unicorns. With them he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth. And they are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. Because of God's favor upon Ephraim, in no time this younger brother had become what? Ten times greater than the elder brother. Why? God's favor. Everybody say God's favor. God's favor. It wasn't that Ephraim was a nice person. Because by the time we get to Hosea chapter 4 verse 17, we find there that the word of God says, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Remember that God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. So God knew that Ephraim would do what? Would misbehave eventually. But did he still bless him? Yes. Everybody say God's favor. The key thing about Mary was what? Hail thou that are highly favored. What's God's favor? So everybody here qualifies for God's favor. Those of you who will misbehave when the favor comes. And those who will behave well when the favor comes. Why? Because it doesn't change God. It doesn't make him any less God. He will always be God. I'll show you another example of favor. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. I read from verse 12, just five verses. This is Paul's testimony. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who had enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious? But I obtained mercy. Another thing about God's favor is I said it's also God's grace. It's also what? God's mercy. They all ruled together. That thing that is called favor. But I obtained mercy. I obtained favor because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause, I obtained mercy. I obtained grace. I obtained favor. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And of course, listen carefully. Because Paul had come to a clear understanding of favor. Paul is not an Ephraim. Verse 17. Understanding what God had conferred upon him, he utters a prayer, which really and truly is recorded for us, but is not part of what he's saying. 
Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. <laughs> he, says, he said amen. Because he had come to the place where he realized that God had just pulled him out from nowhere and done what? Conferred favor upon him. And I said that every single one of us here, God has conferred favor upon. And that tells you, listen, that you have a right to walk through that place that is called, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for what? For those who love him. Let me show you that everyone here has entered through the door of favor. Romans chapter 5. I read from verse 6. It says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, for adventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, cried Christ died for us. So Jesus died while you were what? Still a sinner. And that's what is also called what? His favor. It is grace. It is mercy. And everybody here qualifies. Indeed, the, the, that's why I said how many people were here on, on Wednesday. If you can come to terms with what is about to happen, you will behave like Paul. You just begin to pray and thank God. But 1 Corinthians 2 9, there's a key there. It says, Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who do what? Who love Him. I just found out a new definition for love, which is the result of spending time in Israel. For those who, who love God. So if you do not love God, you won't walk in the 1 Corinthians 2, 9 new thing that God is about to do. So what is it? Because it's so easy. How many people love God? Everybody put up their hands. Let me give you a different definition for love. This is love from the Jewish perspective. Love is acting deliberately to meet a need. Because there is a need and expecting nothing in return. Notice that this definition shifts completely away from your emotions and enters into the place of doing something. It enters into the place of what? Action. Love is acting deliberately to meet a need. Because there is a need and expecting nothing in return. Remember the Bible says, well, we're here still sinners. What happened? Yes. John 3, 16 says, God so loved what? The world. Did he cry? Did he pray? He gave his only begotten son. You see, for the Jews, love is what you do, not what you feel. 
The way we understand love is feeling. Somebody described love to me like this last this past week. He said, I'll do anything for her. I mean anything, anything, anything. Pastor, I'll do anything. I said, it's okay. <laughs> I said that one is me. It's not love, it's love wanting thing. <laughs> I said, the only problem is that, I told the person, I said, that one, after a while, it dries up. Mm. I said, when you finally marry everything, they say, you know, that marriage is an eye-opener. <laughs> I said, after a while, you just, you begin to wonder. Actually, I said, I would do anything. You know, that's not love. God so loved the world that he did what? He did something. He saw that the world had a need. Now, God himself has a need. If God is going to take you to the place of eye has not seen, ear has not, he says he's prepared for who? For those who love him. Notice that at the very beginning I said we should say what? Diligence. And one of the, the, the key problems of life is that we find it very difficult to become diligent. What many people like here is for pastors to declare a fast. What many people like here is for pastors to say, there's prayer cocktail. What many of us like is for pastors to say, there's congregational night vigil. There is this Friday. First of all, as we keep doing it, it, it helps everybody. But that's not what God wants. So. You say you love God, then you meet the need that God has. Without checking, you know that things are beginning to wane slowly in the house fellowships. This went with so much energy. Ask yourself why all of a sudden you don't get home, you eat, you relax a little bit. When is the time? In fact, once you see you have keyed in your house fellowship leader's name, as the, your cell phone is just, ah, just press a button that says send a busy signal. And then you say to yourself, Joe, ah, let me rest a little bit. When the whole thing started, nobody called you, you just went. You've got to be what? Diligent. I explained to some people yesterday, I said the word diligent is the same thing as the word religious. And the funny thing about God is this. Even though the Jews don't really know him because they are religious, he still honors them. Because God is a God of diligence. He wants us to do something diligently. Why? Because he is what? Love. 99% of the time, what we want, most people, what you want is you wish you could actually pay God and let him let you have your way. What will it take, Pastor? Ten cows. Ah, thank God. Pastor, as I just, if I give you ten cows, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. And that's what most people want. But that's not God. God, you can't touch God that way. Remember that love is doing what? Acting deliberately to meet a need. Because there is a need and expecting what? Nothing in return. God wants me to come and study a bit about his Holy Spirit in a house fellowship cell. I'll do it. God wants me to go out and speak to somebody about Jesus. I'll do it. You'd be amazed at how your life will change. God wants me to read the Bible daily. I will do it. 
I can assure you about one thing. It is not easy. Not easy. Simple. How many people here stood before the mirror today and prophesied to themselves before they left their homes? I want to see your hands. Yeah. It's not easy. Indeed, if you do it daily, you'll find that your proclamation, your prophecy becomes shorter and shorter. Shorter and shorter. The first day you do it, ah, you will stand there, you will proclaim, proclaim if there's fire burning. You will proclaim, you will proclaim, you will prophesy. When there's no more fire, just stand there. It is well with you. God will bless you. <laughs> Can you imagine who is shortchanging who? We say prophesy to who? To yourself. Then you stand and you are seeing yourself and you are doing yourself bad. You are doing yourself what? Bad. Do you understand now when we say that it's already been done? It's always in your, it's in your hands. A lot of the things that happen to many people on a day-to-day -day basis will never happen if they spend enough time just in front of the mirror. Will never happen. But you don't have the time. Even when you have the time, you don't even have the interest. And who are you looking at when you're looking at the mirror? Yourself. Why should I pray for you when you will not prophesy to yourself? Everybody say diligence. diligence. Very important. Oh, very important with God. He's watching you. Every day he's watching you and I. And the irony of life is that many know that standing in the front of the mirror and prophesying, it works. But one thing I can guarantee that most people would do, just to show you how we are. Quite a few of you now go to bed with a glass of water as an emergency tool by your bed. Why? Because you find out that it works. Any small thing. Like somebody said to me, I don't eat in my dream, oh, Pastor. I don't eat in my dream. He said, but that thing works, Pastor. I said, what? He said, I used to sleep with something in my, my dream. He said, but um, I just decided to try. I said it was for those who ate in their dreams. Those who are sleeping with somebody in their dreams decide to, to make a connection. You're allowed to. Somebody at least made a connection and came and said, ah, he said, that thing has stopped, Pastor. Has stopped. So I can know that that person will always have a glass of. Pastor Esco has nothing to do with holy water by your table or by your. But that's what people prefer. Small problem. Blood of Jesus. Hmm? <laughs> oh, he walks. But God will weep for you. Because you are made in his image and in his likeness. He spake and it was done. He commands and it stands fast. And he says you just stand like God. Look at yourself and say the things you want for your life. We can't. God's favor. Everybody say God's favor. God's favor. Every one of us here has benefited from that favor. Everyone. You are saved. You have benefited from the favor of God. We live today in a time and, and phase where God says all that you need to qualify is what? Is favor. Next thing about Mary. What else is there about Mary that we have to understand? If you go back to Luke chapter 1, one of the things you'll find repeatedly said about Mary is that she was what? 
a virgin. Everybody say a virgin. virgin. Very difficult word for some people to pronounce. Everybody say a virgin. virgin. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. That was a virgin. virgin. To be a virgin, what is it? Because in the 21st century, that word doesn't exist anymore. It's not what you think it is. It is, but it's more than that. To be a virgin means to be undefiled. It means, above all things else, to be pure. And of course, that tells you that it means to be, to be holy. Remember, one of the key things we are going to be doing, I said we live in a season of what? Warfare. Even though God wants to do those things that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has entered into the heart of man in your lives, you still need to enter into the place of what? Of warfare. And the place of warfare for us is simply the place where we say, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Why? So that the king of glory can come in. But if you go to Psalm 24 very quickly, you will find why Mary had to be a virgin. Now, for those who don't come to digging deep now, God will help us, we'll make a connection quickly. But those who do will understand what we're talking about. Now, we've explained on Wednesdays that there are, Psalm 24 could be broken into what? Into three sections. Section 1, verses 1 and 2, the sovereignty of God. Section 2, 3 to 6. He says, who shall ascend into the hill? We're talking about what? Being a, a virgin. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive what? <laughs> the blessing, the blessing, the blessing, the blessing from the Lord. And righteousness from the God of his salvation. So, so, so when we say Mary was a virgin, what was it about Mary? We break it down simply into this place. One, Mary had clean hands. Everybody say clean hands. Yeah. Remember I said to be a virgin is to be un, undefiled. To be a virgin is to be what? To be pure. Question to ask yourself as you are sitting right now is, how clean are your hands? Do your hands take things that don't belong to them? Do your hands shed blood? Do your hands falsify figures? How clean are your hands? Because to be a virgin is what? Is to have what? Clean hands. Two. I said virgin means undefiled. It means also what? Pure. Psalm 24 tells us in section 2 that apart from having clean hands, you have to have what? A pure heart. And the Bible tells us that the heart of man is what? Deceitful and what? Desperately wicked. And it says, who can know it? So that tells you that we have a problem immediately with our, our hearts. It says, you have not lifted up your soul unto vanity. I don't want to spend so much time on that. But the soul is the place where the human mind, the human emotion live. And the soul can either tilt towards your five human senses or it will tilt towards 
the Spirit of God. As many as used to go to house fellowships and have pulled back, you have tilted to what? Your five human senses. I don't want to use the word flesh because everybody uses that word flesh. After a while, it doesn't mean anything to anybody because the flesh really is the place of the five human senses, the things I see, the things I can touch, the things I can smell. And to lift up your soul unto vanity is to live in the place of your five human senses. God is never there. He says, you have not sworn what? Deceitfully. To be deceitful is just to tell lies. Praise the Lord. When we, when we lie, we speak with the tongue of who? The devil. Because he is the father of, of lies. It doesn't matter whether it's, a, it's an innocent lie or a white lie. I don't even know where they got that word from, white lie. Anyway, all lies are black. So when we talk about being a virgin, we're actually talking about the fact that God demands some amount of holiness from us. Because two cannot work together except they be, they be agreed. Now the only reason, that's why I say, try and make sure you come here on Friday. The only reason, the only reason, the only reason why you'll hear this and not take it seriously because you cannot see. If you can see what God is about to do, you take it. Because it, the, the advantages make anything else I'm doing pale into insignificance. And look, it's not, God has not said, I will. I want you to be holy just for the sake of holy. It says, he shall receive what? The blessing. He didn't say you'll be blessed. He says, there is a blessing. It's called the blessing. The blessing is the 1 Corinthians 2, 9 blessing. He says, when you do these things, you will come to the place where God is going to put upon you that which I hasn't seen before. That God is going to put upon you that which ear hasn't heard. <laughs> I can't even tell you what I can see. That's why when prison worship ended, I looked and I saw how the hall was. I just shrugged my shoulder because me, I'm in a hurry. Ah, I will try. Oh. You know I'm trying. I'll be city of David. Hey, I'm trying now. Ah. <laughs> but you see, if you see what I'm seeing, you will try, but you'll be a fool to wait for human beings who are not going anywhere. You've got to just take God seriously. I'm serious. You've got to take him seriously. It's, it's time to wake up. I'll tell you the truth. Many of you know. You've been for an... In fact, the, um, there's a... Um, I want to be nice. There are people here. You've gone from one anointing service to another, to another, to another, to another. When nothing happened, you actually opened your mouth and said, they're calling the pastor and Ophege pastor. So in fact, if the pastor even called you, hey, I don't have time, I don't know what's going on there. But there was a time, oh, if the man is coming, you'll be wiping the floor. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Praise the Lord, Pastor. I'm speaking in veiled terms. What I'm trying to drive at is that you've tried. You've gone to anointing. You've prayed on fire mountains. You have done deliverance. And 
And the problem is where? It's still there. Am I lying? After you've crossed, crisscrossed all the various anointing places and the thing, you cross back to me. I've crossed you to the general of us here. Each one has prayed. And the problem is still, it's still there. And you are just frustrated. <laughs> Open your eyes. The problem is not there. You are the problem. Today, if you decide, the problem can disappear. It's in your hands. First Corinthians 2 9 blessing. He says, clean hands, pure heart, be a virgin. He says, and you will get what? The blessing. Things that people will look at and they wonder. They will wonder, they will wonder, they will wonder. Because you yourself will not have room enough to, to contain what God is doing. We've got to clean up our acts. Why? One key thing about Mary. What is it and how is it that this whole thing comes to be? That God breaks through into your environment and changes everything. How, how did it happen? Luke 1, 34 and 35. The Bible says, when Mary said, how shall this be? How is all of this going to happen? 34 and 35. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. How am I going to get pregnant? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Eye hasn't seen ear hasn't heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. It's going to be done by who? By the Holy Spirit. It's going to be done by who? By the Holy Ghost. Oh, we've said so much that this is the dispensation anyway of the Holy Spirit. And I said, go to the house fellowship centers and study as much as you can about who? About the Holy Spirit. You know what is so interesting about all of this? I remember one Sunday, I said, let's get up and pray in tongues for a while. Realized that a number of people couldn't pray in tongues. And I said, okay, go to your house fellowship centers and you'll pray, you'll speak in tongues. And I got phone calls. People went. People were surprised. It works. But you know the irony of life is that after you have done that, rather than keep firing on all four cylinders, you switch off your engine. And you stop going. You cool down. For yourself, not for God. And the interesting thing is that God loves to hide. Somebody said to me, my partner, again I'm speaking in real terms, just sits in front of TBN and watching one preacher after the other, claiming all the all the he said, Pastor, is a problem more. It's a problem. He doesn't do anything else, just sits in front of TBN. This is what we do today. God is going to do something. But the life doesn't match up 
in a different dispensation. I mean, you are going to see what I'm talking about with your two eyes, but we all must be what? Partakers of what God is about to do. I can assure you one thing about it is simple but hard. It requires what is called diligence. Don't take God for granted. I'll tell you how diligent I have become. I want to pray certain prayers because I like to pray from Scripture. And because it's so difficult to flip here, flip there, flip here, flip there. I sat down one day. I have, okay, the book is not here. I copied all the scriptures, one after the other, in a very interesting manner. I won't tell you yet. And then I sit down and I pray the prayers. And I realize that it would take you or anybody nearly 30 minutes to. So after a while, by day three, day four, ah, I said to myself, I already know this thing now. I shut the book. But I heard God clearly say, open the, the book. So I've, gone, I've opened it again. And I go through scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. It works. But it's hard. But what's hard about it? To copy it into a book? What's hard about it? To read it out loud? Is it is just it's simple. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Don't sleep on me. God will help all of us. The thing about the Holy Spirit is that in Scripture, you find that people tended to disdain because they didn't know what he could do. I'll give you two examples. First Kings 17. You'll find that this is precisely you and I. You and I. First Kings 17. Let me read quickly from 9. I just decided to read all of these things today. Arise, God says to Elijah, go to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. The scarcest thing at this point in time was what? Water. There was no water. Notice that God said, I have commanded a widow woman to do what? To sustain thee. But you know the meaning of that? I have chosen a widow woman that I will sustain. See the way God speaks. He said, I've told the woman to look after you, but that's not what happened. But that's the way God speaks. God is saying, I have decided to look after a widow woman. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and, and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Bring it unto me, and after make for thee and, and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord God sendeth rain upon the earth. It's an impossible situation. 
But the interesting thing is that the cruise of oil represents what? The Holy Spirit. Yet, the man says, I'm going to make my last meal and die. Yet, the giver of life, the spirit of truth, the comforter, the teacher, the spirit of holiness, was where? With her. How is it possible that you and I carry the Holy Spirit in us and life just beating you left, right, and center, left, right, and center? How? When the Bible says, with God, nothing shall be possible. Let me just go to where something just occurred to me now. You see, when we do Holy Communion here, we, I read usually from 1 Corinthians 11. Let me go there. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. This is just something that I want to just, that's just occurring to me. 1 Corinthians 11. I want to show you something very quickly. 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, I always read, I say, for I have received of the Lord, verse 23, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let every man examine what himself so let him, I never read this, eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not descending the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, that is, they die. For if we would not judge ourselves, we sh for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Do you know what that means? And what this means is simply that, who has control? He said, if we would judge ourselves, we will not what? But if you refuse to judge yourself, what will happen? And the result of being judged is what? Many are sickly and weak and sleep and die. Is God the one who sends sickness and death? When Jesus said, I have come so that you may have what? Life and have it how? And yet the same Bible says, well, if you refuse to judge yourselves, you will be judged. But if you judge yourselves, you will not be judged. But if you refuse to judge yourself, it says you will have the problems that the rest of the world has. Do you know what it is? What the Bible is saying here is simply this. That there's so much in your hands. And unless you make up your mind that you are going to look at life from God's perspective, then the judgment of God will, will come. You've got to make up your mind. God is living inside you. And everything is still crazy. Why? Because you have refused. And you know the interesting thing about God Please believe me, I'm going to do a sermon on this later. The interesting about him is simply this. Each person here, you have a time scale. And God is, is watching and counting. No two people have the same time scale. 
but then by time scale. There are some of us, God has been watching you. You're a Christian, you're coming to church. And for the past 10 years, you've been a Christian, and God has just, I'm just speaking hypothetically, so don't say I, I saw you, I didn't see you. And God has been watching you for the past 10 years. And you have refused to make amends in a particular area. When the time scale comes up, in other words, when God says enough is enough, you can fast for 120 days without food and water. Nothing will happen. Nothing. In fact, events will run their full course. No matter who prays, events will run their full course. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The question to ask yourself is where am I? But like if God is speaking and has been speaking and continues to speak on an issue, that's the question to ask yourself. Some people are so close to getting enough ease. Enough. Yes! You gather together. I love you, Lord. You don't know that God is watching you and wondering. Because you are still doing certain things that you ought not to do. And the mistake many people are making right now, you are wondering and thinking, well, it doesn't concern me. I don't do bad things. It's not a question of bad. It's a question of obedience. It's not a question of I don't do bad things. Because the, the devil deceives many people to thinking that as far as God is concerned, he doesn't want you to drink. He doesn't. He doesn't want you to smoke. Yes, he doesn't. He doesn't want you to sleep with somebody you have noticed. Yes, he doesn't. And they think that, well, ah, that's Christianity. Not 1 Corinthians 2 9 Christianity. If you do not judge yourself, means if you know that the Lord is speaking to you concerning a particular area and you don't do something about it, you will. Why? Because God would rather you come to heaven than you go to hell. Anyway, this woman has the Holy Spirit. This woman has the oil, but she still had accepted death. Because she doesn't even understand who the Holy Spirit is. And that's the problem of Christendom. Many of us don't understand what God has given us. And who is it that tells you, for example, that all these things you eat, they're not good. You see, when you're dealing with God at a certain level, God leaves, don't sleep with this person. Don't uh, take bribe. Those are just kindergarten stuff. Kindergarten stuff. And many Christians stay there and die there. Higher, higher levels include the thoughts you think. I've talked, said, I've talked about this before. Some higher levels include the, the food we eat. Some of you are, if you read, um, okay, let me not go into that area. But some of you are greed, guilty of gluttony. And some God has been told you to have been telling me, ah, take it easy now. You know, man shall not live by bread alone. You know? Some people, the reason why they die is they cannot obey that simple instruction. Just take it easy now about the way you are eating. They can't obey it. Is it possible that somebody can die because of that? Oh, yes, it is. Very, very. Like I said, we'll treat that subject. Let me not leave where I'm coming from. 
The second example is Second Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. The widow, whose two sons were about to be taken away as born men. What did she have in the house? The Holy Spirit. The same thing that you and I have. And yet, she was poor. In their house, they prayed. She says, Thou knowest that my husband did love the Lord and did what? Fear the Lord. Yet they were in serious, abject poverty, in lack. Yet in that house, they had night vigils. In that house, they knew how to praise God. In that house, they lived a good life, walking in the fear of God. But apparently, they, there was something missing. They didn't understand the consequence of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the problem of Christendom. Many of us don't understand what God has provided for us to make life easy. So I said, let's go and spend three months learning about that. And the enemy knows that if you do understand it, let me make it interesting for you. You see, we are coming to a place that you walk into a meeting. You sit down. And the meeting swings everywhere you want it because as you sit down, you tell the people you are going to have the meeting. You say, ah, gentlemen, I just walked in here. Why are you people thinking in your hearts that this meeting, you are going to torpedo everything I've brought? You in particular, you just thought now that um, if you could actually chop off my head, you would do so. And the man had just thought that. You know that that meeting has ended. <laughs> they will call you a wizard. They say this man has come here with Babalao. But, but you see, that's Jesus. Jesus, when he perceived in his heart what they thought, he told them. Can you imagine going to a meeting and sitting down with people and saying, ah, Mr. Johnson, do you mind taking that black thread and that green thing you have in your pocket out? Please, 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 so that we can have a free atmosphere here. And he says, what are you talking about? I says, okay, let me just put a hand in your pocket, okay? And he brings it out and it's there. <laughs> How will the meeting go? <laughs> Is it possible? Yes. Wouldn't it be nice to know where you would go to? Wouldn't it be nice to know what you should do concerning your business? You just know it. And as you do it, it works. Wouldn't it be nice? Like somebody came to me. We've been believing God for something. We've been believing God for something for a long time. I've known this person for a long time. And the problem really has been that the issue was the person's mother who was an Ogologo witch and still is. And the person has now found... You know, there are some things. They say, it's not from my mother. They hear that the teacher's mother is <laughs> a witch. There's nothing as nice as when God reveals to you yourself, okay? uh, sister, it's your mother. And then the sister goes and comes and says, Pastor, it is my mother. I now know. I said, hey, now we can talk. Because you know what we want to do is we have to destroy that thing now. <laughs> but you see, if we say, let us destroy your mother, you say, ah. But when you reach the place where you know that, it's either this thing gives or I just keep suffering. <laughs> and then you bring it and say, the Lord has revealed and I said, are you sure? Ah, he said, hold on. He starts giving me details. And I'm saying, yes, yes. Ah, I said, some mother is wicked. We'll deal with her. <laughs> it's not funny. Because as we are, that's 
That's why I say what God has done. He's done. Because if, if this same person, if you had gone and said, ah, um, do you know this kind of problem? <laughs> I suspect your mother. Oh. Yeah, Pastor. Then inside, say, God will punish you. It's your own mother that they will suspect. <laughs> All of these things are available. Which would it be? But many people, you, you hear me, you understand me, you just go back and live life normally. God will help everybody. Amen. The last thing about Mary, which we are going to deal with seriously next, next week is, she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me, according to thy word. That's a whole sermon. It is called obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. It says, whatever the Lord wants done, it's okay by me. I'll do it. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. One of the key things I want you to understand about this statement is this. Even though they were not really carrying it out actively, for Mary to get pregnant and for her to accept this was to put her life on the line. Because what they would do to her was to kill her by stoning. So you see, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. It's not what you think it is. She needs the full consequence of what Gabriel was telling her. She knew that what Gabriel was saying was that they could stone you, you know. Hey, thou art highly favored. Yes. If you say it's okay, Mary, you know the law says they will stone you and you will die. What did she say? Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. I want us to do a few things today. We're going to pray some prayers today. But the key here is obedience. And like I said, the Bible says, if we would judge ourselves, we will not what? Be judged. If you refuse, the converse says, if you refuse to judge yourself, you will be judged. And the consequence of being judged it's all the things we see in life. It's sickness, it's barrenness, it's problems, and eventually, it is death. But notice that it doesn't say death. It says many what? Sleep. Because death means separation from God, and God really will not allow you to be separated from him again once he has saved your soul. Not that if you want to be separated, like Judas, you, will not, you won't be separated, but he will do all he can do for you. I want us to all bow our heads even this morning and just let's speak to God today. Some of us here, as I've spoken, you've, you've read, God has brought back to your remembrance one or two things that he has spoken to you about. So let's just talk to him and find the place of saying, Lord, according to thy word, if you help me, I'll do exactly what you want me to do. But the rest of us, really, what we really need to tell God today is simply to tell him that, Lord, I want to walk in this thing, but you have to help me. Ask for help. Ask for help. Tell him, tell him that you know that you do not care about judging yourself, but you do not want any way to be judged. So the grace, the ability and enablement to take him seriously, that he should just grant it unto you today. Now, as we are speaking, there are some of us who are here. The Bible says, while we were yet still sinners, that Jesus Christ died. In other words, Jesus died for you 
even before you knew that there was a place called church. But you've been coming to church, 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 but you have never said to him, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Please write my name in the book of life. You've never prayed that prayer, you never said it. You hear every Sunday, you hear it on Wednesdays, people say, commit your life to God. Commit this life to God. God is watching you. Going and coming, going and coming, going and coming. One day it will be too late. You don't do what he says you should do, forget it. You cannot be born again, you cannot be a Christian on your own terms. God makes it so simple, so easy. So just accept me as Lord and Savior. Ask. You have to. That your name be written in the book of life. You have to ask. And you think you can do it by association. It doesn't work that way. So if you are here today, and you know that you are long overdue, long overdue, you need to make a firm commitment to God concerning your life. You've got to tell God, I know you are God. I know you came down to this earth. You died on my behalf. Your blood was poured out for me. I accept that sacrifice. Please, Lord, accept me as one of your own. Please, Lord, write my name in the book of life. You need to pray that prayer if you've never prayed it before. So if you've never prayed that prayer before, please begin to do so now. Begin to do so now. And as you do so, put up your hand so we can put a card in your hand because we need to write to you urgently, quickly, because we want to pray some other prayers. Which prayers you cannot really pray. It won't matter whether you pray it or not. You cannot pray it unless you first put up your hand. Put up your hand. I need to see you from here. God bless you. Anybody else? Quickly. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Quickly, quickly, quickly. You know you have never done so. Do so. Once you get the card, you put down your hand. We need the card so we can write to you. God bless you. Quickly, quickly. Put up your hand. Put up your hand. It's for Jesus, you know. God bless you. There's a hand there. Quickly now. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Just put up your hand. You want your name written in the book of life. The book of life is for those who are going to heaven, going to heaven, going to heaven, going to heaven. Whatever you are, just put up your hand quickly and then just ask Jesus and say, Lord, please accept me as your own. Write my name in the book of life. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Put up your hand and make sure you put up your hand in such a way that the ushers know that you are putting up your hand to pick up a card. So they can put the card in your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Quickly, 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 quickly. Quickly. The rest of us, let us pray. Let us just pray. Let us just pray. And just sort things out as it were with God right now, right now, right now, right now. Then we can stand and spend some time and do the prayers that we want to do today. Father, we thank you and bless you. We thank you and bless you. We thank you and bless you. We thank you. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you open the eyes of our understanding. Every single one of us here, Lord, oh, may we understand, Almighty God, that which you have prepared for each one of us. The grace, the grace and the ability and enablement, Lord, to do that which you require each one of us to do. Grant unto us who are all here today. Have mercy, Almighty God, upon us. Have mercy, Almighty God, upon us. Each one of us, Lord. The ability and the strength to be diligent grant unto us. Lord, we ask in the name that's above all names. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Now let's rise to our feet and open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 2.9. We're going to take this scripture as a prayer point. We're going to ask God that he will confer upon us his favor so that 
those things that eye hasn't seen, that ear hasn't heard, that have not entered yet into the heart of man, those things that he 